Salus populi ego sum dicit Dominus. De quacumque tribulatione clamabrint ad me exaliam eos. Et eroi lorum Dominus in perpetuum. I am the salvation of the people, saith the Lord. In whatever tribulation they shall cry to me, I will hear them. And I will be their Lord forever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. There are many different ways in which we can consider the texts of the Masses of the Sundays after Pentecost and their relation to one another, their relation to the readings in the Divine Office. It varies every year depending on when the Sundays fall, the conjunction of a particular Sunday with a particular feast, the conjunction of a particular Sunday Mass with a particular office where it falls in the month. And we can look at the history of how these Sundays developed and why certain texts were chosen and how they changed over the centuries. And as a result, there's many different angles from which we can look at these Sundays, many different ways in which the texts come together to illuminate different aspects of the mystery of salvation. And all of this is governed by the providence of God, the Holy Ghost who inspired the scriptures and who guided their transmission has also guided the formation of the church's liturgy and watches over us even to this day, giving us the texts that we need to hear at the time when we need to hear them. What's striking about today's Mass is the introit with which it begins, an introit which, first of all, isn't clearly taken from any one passage of the scriptures, although we could certainly find passages of scripture that contain the words of this introit, but this conjunction of texts is unique to this particular chant. The other thing that's striking about it, of course, is that the speaker in the introit is the Lord himself, and this is a rather rare thing. If one looks through all of the introits of the temporal cycle, there's only a handful of times when this occurs. Most of us are aware, I think, of the most noteworthy of these, the Midnight Mass of Christmas, the Son speaks to the Father, The Lord said unto me, Thou art my Son. The first Sunday of Lent, the Father says, He shall call upon me, and I shall hear him. And on Easter Sunday, the Son speaks to the Father, I have risen, and I am still with thee. Other than that, at least as far as I can find, all of the introits of the temporal cycle are our words to God or our words about God. But today we have God's own words, words which come in response to what we've been singing for many weeks now. If we look over the last seven Sundays after Pentecost, we were given introits of pleading, of supplication, of cries for mercy. If we look over them, we had on... Twelfth Sunday, Deus in adutorium meum intende, O God, come to my assistance. On the thirteenth Sunday, look, O God, upon thy covenant, forget not thy poor ones forever. On the fourteenth Sunday, our protector, look, O God, and behold the face of thy Christ. After that, incline thine ear, O Lord, and hear me. And then, have mercy on me, Lord, have mercy. And then, thou art just, O Lord, do with thy servant according to thy mercy. And last Sunday, give peace, O Lord, to those who wait for thee. 
all of these introits of pleading and supplication fit very well with the things that we've been reading in the Divine Office. The Book of Job, the Book of Tobit, the Book of Esther, the Book of Judith, and this month the Books of Maccabees. All of them describing the tribulations of the just in this world as they call out to God to defend their cause, to come to their aid, to rescue them. And so finally this Sunday, God speaks. Salus populi ego sum. I am the salvation of the people. This word salus encompasses a wide range of meanings. It speaks of healing, and it's known that today's Mass is particularly associated with the Church in Rome and the Feast of the Holy Physicians Cosmos and Damien. And we hear throughout the Mass references to healing, to the medicinal operation of God's grace. At the same time, having heard the lessons from the Book of Maccabees and Matins this morning, we can also hear God saying, I am the salvation of the people. I am the one who delivers them from their enemies. I am the one who gives them victory. I am the one who restores them. As what we heard this morning was Judas Maccabeus and his brothers going up to restore the temple, cleansing it from the defilement of the nations, restoring the proper worship of God. And so this word of God in the introit, I am the salvation of the people, from whatever tribulation they call to me, I will hear them, and I will be their Lord forever. This is the word that the Maccabees heard addressed to them in the events that they were living through. The dedication of the temple that they celebrated is echoed, it seems to me, in the gradual of today's Mass. Diri Gafur, Oratio Mea, let my prayer be directed like incense in thy sight. A chant which is used repeatedly in the church's liturgy for the dedication of a church and an altar. At least three times the, the gradual dirigatur is sung as the bishop incenses the altar which is being dedicated. We can hear the joy of the Maccabees in the victory that they've won as we sang in the Alleluia. Give thanks to the Lord, confess to the Lord, call upon his name, announce his works among the nations, among the heathen among the pagans who had occupied God's sanctuary. The Maccabees come to announce God's works and to proclaim God's victory. But as St. Augustine reminded us in the second doctrine of Matins, this victory of the Maccabees was provisional. It was incomplete. All of the restorations of the temple after the exile failed to bring it back to its former glory. And this was because none of them were the ultimate answer the ultimate fulfillment of God's promises. What they were still waiting for was what is indicated to us in the Gospel of today's Mass. The king who makes a wedding feast for his son. The wedding feast of the Son of God who comes to unite his people to himself. The wedding feast which takes place above all, as was we heard also in the third doctrine of Matins this morning, St. Gregory saying that the bridal chamber in which the son unites his bride to himself is none other than the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And it's quite fitting then this year that we get to celebrate, to hear this gospel as we commemorate, rather, the feast of the maternity of the Blessed Virgin Mary. 
feast which was instituted by Pope Pius XI in 1931 to commemorate the anniversary of the proclamation of Mary's divine motherhood at the Council of Ephesus. The truth of Mary's divine motherhood, in a way, carries with it the whole mystery of salvation. In her virginal womb, the Word became flesh and united humanity to himself. The Word took his bride, the Church, to himself. In her womb, he took our nature and thereby allowed himself to be united to all of us. And this marriage feast of the Son with his bride, the Church, this is what all of humanity was longing for. This is what all of God's prophecies were pointing to. But there is a response that's required. God comes and promises that he will be the, self, the salvation, the health, the restoration of his people. But we see that the wedding feast does require collaboration from those who were invited. It's possible to be so caught up in one's own business that one fails to heed the invitation, going off to one's farm, going off to one's merchandise, even responding with contempt to the king's servants and putting them to death. Even when one is dragged into the wedding feast, practically, by the king's servants who go out to find whoever they can, there's still a certain decorum, a certain etiquette that's required. <clears throat> The king wants to be sure that his guests are not abusing his hospitality. The wedding guest without the garment is going to be thrown out. And what is this garment? We heard about it in the epistle. Induite novum hominem. Put on the new man, who according to God is created in justice and in the holiness of truth. Putting off mendatium, putting off lying, speak the truth one to another for we are members of one another. The wedding garment is justice and the holiness of truth. Putting off lying, putting off anger, not letting the sun go down upon our anger. Putting off all dishonesty. We are to put off these things so that we can put on the wedding garment, the wedding garment of charity, the charity of Christ which covers a multitude of sins. So this is what we pray in the communion antiphon of today's Mass. Thou hast commanded that thy commandments be exceedingly kept. Let my ways be directed to the keeping of thy justifications. This is asking that we might always keep on the wedding garment, the wedding garment which is given to us by God himself, some commentators say that in some of the ancient Near Eastern customs, when guests were invited to the wedding, they were provided with the wedding garment. The host would send them the garment that they were to wear. This is certainly the case for us. The garment is not one that we purchase ourselves. It's not one that we make ourselves. It's the garment that God himself has given to us in our baptism. All we have to do is keep it on and preserve it. Preserve it by his grace so that when we enter the wedding feast, he will come and recognize us as his own. We approach the Holy Eucharist, which is the wedding feast 
made present here and now. We ask Our Lady, whose divine maternity we celebrate, Our Lady, who is herself the bridal chamber in which the Word was united to humanity, to dispose our hearts to receive the invitation of the King, to allow us to keep unspotted the wedding garment that we've received, so that we can receive with open hearts, with open minds, the offer of salvation which is extended to us, which we heard God proclaiming as we began today's Mass. I am the health of the people, says the Lord. From whatever tribulation they call upon me, I will hear them, and I will be their Lord forever. I will be their Lord forever. These are words expressing a covenant that God wants to establish. A covenant of faithfulness, ultimately a marriage covenant. I will be their Lord forever. I will be the bridegroom of my church forever. May all of us, following the example and helped by the prayers of Our Lady, respond to this invitation so that we can enter the heavenly marriage feast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit.